morning, everyone. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, you'll notice that Angela and Lyndon are away, um, Grace and Nala are with them, and they are at the Vineyard Leadership Conference down in Christchurch, so they've given me liberty to yeah, talk for two and a half hours, so thanks, daylight savings. I can just claim my lost time with the clocks, so you guys did well to get you on time, though. So we're in our series of looking at the different names of Jesus and who, who he is or who he says that he was or is. Um, and the name of Jesus that I'm looking at today is Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. And I'm going to just do that through the lens of Doubting Thomas, good old Doubting Thomas. <laughs> so um, if the slides are ready, thanks so much. So Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, this name comes from Hebrews chapter 12, 1 to 2, but I'm going to kick us off with John chapter 20, and it will be up on the screen now. And this is the scene with Doubting Thomas um, and just bringing some doubt into what's just happened. So John chapter 20, 24 to 29 says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples came to told them, we've seen the Lord. So Thomas was the unlucky one that wasn't with the rest. He was isolated by himself and these other disciples saw Jesus and they came to tell Thomas. And Thomas is like, nope, unless I see him and I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, he says, I will not believe. A week passes, so a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. They were obviously scared because Jesus had just been crucified and they locked away in this room, you know, freaked out about what's happening. And Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And then he turned to Thomas and said, look, put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. I reckon Thomas gets it pretty tough. Like we still to this day call someone who doesn't believe a doubting Thomas. So he's carried that reputation all these years. And I'm like, well, I don't know. If I saw someone getting brutally murdered, witness them getting buried, and then a week later or a little time later, three days later, my mates come and be like, oh, he's alive. We're like, nah, not a chance. Okay, Thomas witnessed it and he was just like, I'm not going to believe until I see it. So I think he gets a pretty hard rap of it. Um, and that's really when I, where I want to look in today and looking at Jesus, this perfecter of faith. Now in this season um, of life, oh, jeepers, y'all go. I probably need this preach more than most of you. Um, so I'm not doing it from an angle where I've mastered this thing of doubt and it's like, oh, now I'm an expert on the subject, oh jeepers, here we go, <laughs> this is going to be tough anyway, um, but yeah, it's been a difficult season in our household, um, we've had to endure a lot recently, 2022 has been a tough year for us, um, some of you may know that Tam, my beautiful wife, was in surgery again this week, third, oh man, sorry, <laughs> it's going to be a tough one, <laughs> third medical procedure this year. Uh, Tuesday night or Tuesday morning, got rushed to hospital, spent two days in hospital. Um, 
Unfortunately, that's not the end for her. She'll have to sit another operation at least. Um, we have lost four close family members in 2022. Um, obviously, being so far um, in South Africa, we haven't been able to travel because we haven't got residency yet. So we've been stuck kind of mourning from afar, but not being able to be there for our family like during this difficult season. So it's just been tough. It's been really, really hard. Um, Josh, our little baby, he has not yet met his grandparents. So it's been two and a half years. He's almost two and a half. Um, so we just haven't seen family for a while. And we've, just, we've got friends and we've got support, but we've, you know, we've had seasons of feeling isolated. All this to say, I know people are going through or have been through a lot worse than that and struggled with. And you might be sitting here this morning struggling with something bigger than that or worse than that. And that's not what I'm trying to point out. Is what I'm trying to say is that in this season of in 2022 and probably the years you know, surrounding it, I've allowed doubt to creep in. And it's been hard. It's, you kind of ask questions of God. You're like, you know, why would you do this? Why, you know, why would you put us through this? Why would we have a season like this? And that's the perspective that I want to talk on this morning, not a perspective of saying, oh, we've conquered out, and now I'm an expert on the subject matter, and I'm going to... But actually, going through this this week, and I knew it was going to be hard, but anyway, you know, that's what you put yourself through. Um, reading through these scriptures and looking at the person of Jesus, this has been tonic for my soul this week. I had to read that line probably, you know, 15 to 20 times this week in preparation, looking at the king that we serve, that he turns up to Thomas, Thomas is doubted, and he says, look, look at my hands, put your finger in, feel, put your hand in my side and believe. Often in my mind, I can place God in a box of being like, oh, he's going to turn up and he's going to be real angry with Thomas, like, you know, Thomas, you stole the stuff that I did. I walked with you, we were mates, and then you doubt me. You know, I'm writing you off, I'm done with you. But Jesus just turns up in the most spectacular fashion, coming in and just saying, here we go, have a feel, believe. So Jesus comes in to perfect our faith, but he also comes to cancel the doubt that we carry. You see... I believe that he did that with Thomas and I believe that he does that with me and that he will do it with us as a people. That any doubt that we carry, any anxiety or things that we're wrestling or struggling with, Jesus will turn up in a way that you, know, you would need for him to cancel your doubt. So I've just got a few points today. I know some of you will be like, hmm, is that just the introduction? But yeah, it was, sorry. <laughs> um, Eugene Peterson said, and that's, oh sorry, slide number three, if that one's working, sorry. Oh, next one, if you don't mind. Oh, sorry, it's a little bit small. Um, but anyway, Eugene Peterson says, the reason many of us do not ardently believe in the gospel is that we've never given it a rigorous testing, thrown our hard questions at it, Faced it with our most prickly doubts. And I just find that so true. Like sometimes we've just got to ask the hard questions. Philippians chapter 2 says we need to work out our faith, 
not work for our faith, but work out our faith with fear and trembling. And when the storms and the chaos of life come your way, you will have fear and you will have trembling. But Jesus, God, they're using this to actually perfect your faith and to take you on a journey to help you work out your salvation, to understand who the person of Jesus is. When you go through a season of difficulty, and I'm sure everyone in this room can attest to that, is that at that point or at some point when it gets hard, you will have fear and you will have trembling. You'll have sleepless nights. You'll have anxiety that will come in and it will be difficult. And that's kind of just part of the journey. You see, there is no road to spiritual maturity without actually walking through doubt. We can't go around it. We can't stick our head in the sand and hope that things are going to get better or that it's just going to go away. We actually have to walk through doubt. So point number one, you're not going to go through life without doubt. It does get more encouraging, I promise. Looking at our faith, Gregory the Great says, um, and that's the next slide, thanks, uh, said that the unbelief of Thomas is more profitable to our faith than the belief of the other disciples. And that just struck me because it's like, yeah, actually, the fact that one of the disciples didn't believe and the others did, the doubt of Thomas was more profitable to us because we actually saw Thomas wrestling with this doubt. It says, for the touch by which is brought to believe, so the way that Jesus did this, confirms mind in belief beyond all question. I was just like, man, I'm so glad that story made it into our scriptures. Because how difficult or how different or difficult would it be if we're just like, oh, all the disciples just believed and it was just easy. But Thomas brought this unbelief and this doubt um, and that just shows us, you know, you know, something about the scriptures which we can take and learn from. You see, everybody's got faith or trust in something or someone I find it striking that in the Gospel of John, you won't actually see the word faith all that often. He actually crosses that out with the verb of to believe. Okay? So he takes it from faith and he says you actually have to believe. And then from there, almost a hundred times that he uses that verb in the Gospel of John, to believe, it's actually normally pretty closely followed by the preposition of into. So John is calling us not only to believe something, but actually to believe into something, into someone, into Jesus. We were having a laugh last weekend. We had a leadership meeting. And actually for this series, the names of Jesus, the amount of names of Jesus that come from the Gospel of John is actually quite astounding. It's because John knew Jesus so well But in his letters to us and in the Gospel of John, he wants us to know the person of Jesus. He wants us to intimately know who Jesus is and who he was so that we can grow into a relationship with him. If you can pop the next slide up, thank you. That'll be awesome. Charles Blondin was a famous tightrope walker. And in 1869, he became the first person to cross the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. 
This is the days before social media. So 25,000 people rocked up. People love a potential disaster or a potential hazard. He didn't believe in safety nets for catching because he thought if something, if there's a safety net, you will fall. So he didn't have safety nets and people would turn up to see Charles Blondin try and cross the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And the crowd love it and he goes across, he comes back, the crowd is loving it. Um, he obviously didn't have TV back then, so, sorry. So he comes back and he's like, I've got a gas cooker here and some eggs. People think that I can go in the middle and go and cook an omelette. Oh, yes, you can. You're amazing. Goes to the middle, makes an omelette. Comes back, he's like, I've got a wheelbarrow here. Anybody believe that I can push 200 to 250 pounds in this wheelbarrow on the tightrope? Yes, you can. You're amazing. Crowd like goes wild. He waits for the silence. He's like, anybody here weigh 200 to 250 pounds? can imagine the silence, heads down. I know I teach high school students that don't like to answer questions, so you can always see when they're ducking and diving. No one wants to turn up. Obviously, no one wants to get in, uh, rightfully so. But you see, John's gospel actually comes to show us that Jesus came to get us in the wheelbarrow and take us from death to life. And that trip in the wheelbarrow... It's not always going to be easy. You're probably going to be in the wheelbarrow asking the why question a lot. Why the heck did I do this? What am I doing? Probably feel like you want to throw up a bit. It's not going to be easy. But that's what John is trying to show us in the Gospel of John. You see, the miracle doesn't come from being one of the 25,000 on the side clapping. The miracle comes from getting from the side into the wheelbarrow. That's where the miracle happens. And that is really what John was trying to show us through that. You see, Jesus knew exactly what Thomas needed it and how he needed it. He turned up in the most unexpected fashion. Um, the doors were locked. I was like, oh, I'm from South Africa. I normally lock doors, but you guys don't lock doors here. So <laughs> Jesus comes through. And again, I'm just like, surely he's going to come and tell Thomas off. You know, other disciples believed, Thomas didn't, Peter denied Jesus. Like, so here's this chance to land to these guys, the room is closed, you know, no one will know. But what's this first thing that he says to them? He says, peace be with you. In the chaos and in the storms of life and all of the uncertainty, Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, peace be with you. And that's what he says to us this morning. He looks at us in our doubts, in our struggles, often in our unbelief, and he says, peace be with you. He says to Thomas again, you want to see, you want to touch, you can. And Thomas, he doesn't turn and be like, oh, this will be quite good for my theological studies. Like, this is quite a good story to tell. No, he's in awe, he's in disbelief, and he turns and he says, my Lord, my God. Again, how amazing that this makes it into the scriptures, because Thomas gets to see Jesus on the other side of doubt. 
He gets to walk through doubts and see Jesus on the other side. You see, the awe and wonder didn't come from Thomas avoiding it, from sticking his head in the sand. He asked the hard question. He would have looked like a bit of a tool to the other disciples, being like, no, guys are crazy. Until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Yet he wrestled with his unbelief. He wrestled with his doubt. And Jesus met him where he was at. You see, I believe that Jesus will do that for me. I believe that he'll do it for you. The unfortunate thing for us is that it's not always in our timing. He doesn't always do it in the way that we want him to do it or think that he should do it. But then he's God and we're not. And we have to trust the process. He's the perfecter of our faith. And that's what he says in Hebrews. He knows what we need and when we need it. So I've just got three things that we can learn from Thomas. The first thing is that you need to be honest with where you're at. You need to wrestle with your doubt. You need to put the hard questions on the table. We see in the book of Psalms, often David would say, like, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, have you deserted me? Have you forgotten about me? Do you not care about me? Was God offended? No, he's not insecure like us. He doesn't struggle with insecurity like us. He's happy for us to take these questions to him as we wrestle with our doubt. He doesn't mind us taking those types of questions to him and saying like, you know, what the heck is going on? Why is this happening? I know that it can be tough because it's tough for me. And sometimes it's a pride issue. Sometimes it's just because uh, we don't like to burden people. But it's actually, it's good to tell people and it's good to bring people alongside you in your journey. Um, and that can be pretty freeing in itself as opposed to trying to deal with stuff on your own. And that's what it means just to wrestle and being honest with where you're at. Um, the second thing that we can learn from Thomas is that we have to learn where to put our focus. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 to 3 says, Fix your eyes on Jesus. And again, this is where we get the name of Jesus for today. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. And then it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So he's the perfecter of our faith. And then in the line that follows, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You see, often the hardest thing to do is to keep our focus on Jesus. In the chaos and the midst of the storm, it is really hard to keep our focus on Jesus when things are coming from us at all different angles. Everything that can possibly go wrong is going wrong. And it's just like, I can't even focus on you because we're trying to put out fires, trying to, you know, keep our kids alive. But he says, focus on me. Keep your attention to me. I think of the story of Peter when he wants to walk on water. What an amazing moment. Peter sees Jesus in the distance. He says, Lord, if that's really you and I'm really your disciple, let me walk to you. Let me do the Jesus stuff. Jesus is like, sure, come on over. Peter takes a step out of the boat, probably looks at the other disciples, is like, yeah, that's why they call me the rock boys. <laughs> takes a couple of steps, is looking good, and then he starts to focus on the storm and the wind and the waves and takes his focus off of Jesus and he begins to sink. 
disciples in the boats are probably like, yeah, that's why they call you the rock, Peter. <laughs> but that's the hard part, right? When life gets hard, when things are coming our way, when you're not sleeping at night or, you know, whatever it is that you're going through, it's hard to keep your focus on Jesus. But that is what he's calling us to do. You see, when you keep your eyes on Jesus in the storm, you're not denying the fact that you have problems or that life is hard, but you're just choosing your reference point. Matt from last week spoke about truth and orientation and that line, and that's often kind of what we need to do. It's just who we're orientating ourselves towards when life gets difficult. The third thing that we learn from Thomas is that we need community. It says in Hebrews, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns from the living God. Again, it gets pretty like it's a heavy passage. What is it followed by? The next line says, Encourage one another daily. It's hard. Like life is hard. It's difficult. We've just come through, you know, these last two or three years that have just been, you know, difficult for pretty much everyone. Everyone's wrestling with something or struggling with something. The devil is out to seek, you know, steal, kill, destroy. It's a field ground for him to try and do his work. We as the people of God need to be a people of encouragement and we need to be putting courage into one another and into those around us. I don't think it is possible for a person to walk through life faithfully without a group or a community of believers alongside them, walking with them and cheering them on. I just think of the incredible fruit that's come from Maharangi Vineyard Church over the last season of going into this cluster model and moving into people's homes and into smaller venues and just a more intimate setting of opening God's word, listening to people saying, I struggle to read the Bible, or I find it boring, or I just don't have time for it, or I struggle with you know, forgiveness, I'm struggling to forgive this person. And as we work through some of, those, some of that content, the fruit that came from people just opening themselves out in a community, praying alongside one another, has yielded the most amazing fruit. And I often think that's why Jesus did ministry the way that he did. He took 12 guys and did life with them in a close proximity, doing life together. And like Matt said this morning, next weekend we move back into clusters. If you're yet to join a cluster, please hop onto the website. Join a cluster because it's a real opportunity to just do community a little bit different than what we get to do it in here. Do not isolate yourself from the people of God. As we land this thing, as I wrap up, the last thing that I want to say is that doubt is not your destiny. You have a destiny of faith, and your faith does not depend on how strong you feel or how strong you think your faith is, but actually your faith is dependent on the mercy and grace of God. You know, we can wake up some days and be like, oh, my faith feels amazing today. And then something happens and you're like, oh, no, it doesn't actually feel amazing. But actually, if you're putting your faith into Jesus, then your faith is strong. Not because you're strong, but because Jesus is strong and he's the one holding you. You see, God's grace is sufficient for you. 
And that's why, you know, the scriptures will say, just faith the size of a mustard seed. You don't need to have mass amounts of faith. It's who or what you're putting your faith into. And that might be a starting point for you this morning, just to be like, oh, just need a little bit of faith. You see, we can be confident that God is with us. Again, it would be so easy to be like, oh, Thomas, Thomas the doubter, doubting Thomas. Dude, you walked with Jesus, like you saw him do some crazy stuff, and then you can't believe that he's risen from the dead. Like, honestly, Thomas? Like, he gets a hard rap of it. But what we need to consider is that that moment was just one little scene in Thomas's life. It was just a snapshot. You know what happens to Thomas after this? He goes out to preach the gospel. He is the first and only apostle that goes outside of the Roman Empire to preach the gospel in a place like India. He's taken the gospel. Where actually, there's a part in India today where there's like, tons of people that are named Thomas because of the legacy that's grown through his faithfulness. It was just a scene. It was just a moment, a snapshot of his life, that doubt. But God used that for something much bigger than what Thomas probably could ever have imagined. You see, Thomas is not a doubter. Thomas doubted. You and I, we are not doubters. We just doubt. And that's because we're human and that's because life is hard and we struggle with things that happen. But it doesn't make you a doubter. See, it wasn't his destination. He was faithful. He went on to be a missionary and a believer. He was an apostle and ultimately a martyr for his faith. His destiny was not one of doubt, but one of faith. I'd love to ask the band to just come up and start strumming some chords as we as we land this thing, but again, your destiny is not one of doubt and failure. It's a destiny of faithfulness of God in your life. One of my favorite scriptures is one uh, where it says, he who began a good work in you will bring it, uh, will carry it out until the day of completion. He who began a good work in you will carry it out. He will complete the work that he started in your life. It may be dark now. You may be in a struggle. Life might be really difficult. But he will complete the good work that he has started in you. I want you to know this morning that you are not forgotten. God has not forgotten about you in the chaos of life or the chaos of what you might be going through God loves you so much and this is not the end of your story this is just a snapshot it's just a snippet of where you might sit this morning as we sing out this last song there's just a couple of ways that I would love for you to respond this morning You might be in a season when life is actually really good and God is doing some good stuff in you and through you and the people around you and your family. As we sing, respond to him and just say, thank you, Lord. Like, it's amazing that you've got me in this season or that you've given me this job or you've given me this friendship circle or you've given me these people that I can actually work with or whatever it is that you, you know, whatever the good thing is that God's given you at this moment. I'd love for you to just thank him and just be like oh 
I appreciate that, God, and I want to use it for your glory and, you know, give me more and let me do it more. You might be in a season where it's a little bit more difficult and you're doing a little bit more tough. I want you to use that opportunity just from where you stand and sing to say to God, why? What is it? You know, ask him the hard questions. He's secure enough to handle those questions and he'll begin to do something like he did with Thomas. He turned up and said, feel, put your finger in here. And as you begin to ask him and wrestle with him, he'll do something. Might not be in your timing. It might not be the way that you want, but it's a good place to start this morning if that's where you're at. And then lastly, like I said, sometimes we need to do stuff in a community. And sometimes within this space, you have an opportunity to come to the front and receive some prayer. There are people that would be willing and able and that would love to pray with you this morning. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is that you want prayer for, doubt or a difficult season, I would really encourage you to hop in the wheelbarrow this morning and make your way up here and receive some prayer from some. Again, it's just a little bit of faith that you need because it's not the strength of your faith that we're reliant on, but it's the person who you're putting your faith in. So if that's you this morning, if your heart's beating a little bit faster, you're like, oh, no, that's not me, surely. I would encourage you just to make your way down here. I would love to pray for you and some other people that would love to pray for you. Um, just as we respond and do this thing in community, because we can't always do it alone. Father God, we are just so grateful for who you are and what you did. The joy set before you, you endured the cross so that we can live in the faith and the reassurance of what you did. And as we walk this thing of life out, God, and as we struggle our way through, you are the perfecter of our faith. And we just pray that you would come and move and do a work in us as we, as we try and walk this thing out faithfully to you, Lord. Ultimately, so that you can use us and that you can put us into situations where we can bring glory to your name, Father.